This fan base is amazing. The city of Cincinnati is amazing, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Desmond fakes a handoff, runs to the right. He's got all sorts of room to the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Bearcats! 25, for the middle of the field at the 35, and he is gone! Trey Tucker will take it 98 yards to the house! Ball poked away by DeJulius, diving on the floor to grab it is Oguama. Bounces it for Lockett, fires ahead to Adams Woods. DeJulius for three, good! Cincinnati has scored 17 straight! The one-handed catch, hands it off to Marcus Jones. He has tackled it to 34, it. and it is over! Zero losses, zero doubt. Opportunity seized as the Bearcats send a message to the college football world. Did you see that? Hello, listeners, new and old. Welcome back to your favorite Bearcats podcast, Viva La Cats. I am your host, Justin Hiles, accompanied by my great friend, Steve Maurer, and we are here to bring you the very best of the Bearcats every single week. Make sure to check us out on Twitter at VivaLaCatsPod and follow us on Spotify, Apple Pods, or wherever you listen. And also make sure to check out at UC Uniforms for all the up-to-date uni tracker info from Steve. We are just going to kick off right where uh, we left off last week. ECU. Uh, <laughs> kind of a crazy game. Um, and, and from the way the game was going the entire time, we really uh, expected, once we hit that 10-minute-to-go uh, mark in the second half, that the Bearcats would just handle, take care of business. Um, I guess inevitably they did, but it didn't look the way that we thought it would go. Um, Steve, what is your initial reaction from what went down in the end of that one? All right, Justin. Yeah, I'm, I'm about to hit you with the joke. You ready? Yeah. <laughs> ECU? More like ECU. Ugh, that was <laughs> gross. So is that joke? <laughs> yeah, I know it was terrible. I was talking about the joke, but uh, the game was was pretty bad too, to be honest. I, I would, if I'm being honest, it was not my favorite Bearcats win uh, I've ever seen. Um, the fact that we gave up another ten point lead late in the game uh, was very disappointing. Twelve, 12. 12 point lead. Okay, yeah. and this one was much later too in the game, which was yeah. very disappointing. Um, David Julius, he had talked about all week how he had thought about that buzzer beater that didn't fall in the Temple game, which finally fell for him uh, in the ECU game. Yeah. And she, like, he finally just hit it, you know, and like he was talking yeah. about it all week in fruition, hit it, won the game for us. And definitely, like, <laughs> as UC fans, we've seen enough uh, late game examples where. The other team gets the ball and then tries to bring it, like, has at least three seconds to let yep. off a long heave. <laughs> and I feel like, luckily enough, we haven't seen many of those go in uh, and yeah, beat us. Thankfully. Maybe once or twice, but we've usually been on the, the good end of those bounces. But, hey, you know what? I'll take the bounce this time after we didn't get it in the Tulsa game. Um Honestly, for this young team and this inexperienced team going one-on-one in a two-game road trip uh, against two teams that where there's no road environment at all, yep. there's like nothing to get excited for in either of those games. It's just, I mean, I'm obviously upset with it, but I'll take it. Going 0-2 in that road trip would have definitely killed 
any chance of us getting to the tournament as an at-large. But yeah, one and one, it's not bad. So I think we just got our work cut out for us once again. I'm glad we won, but I think Wes definitely has some some things to talk about with the boys. Mm-hmm. Celebrate his 200th win, though. So I'm yeah. happy about the the overall performance and. It just we just need to hold on to leads late in the game, like yeah, twelve uh, up twelve with what three to go? Like you got to start, you got to close that out. That that's just almost inexcusable. Ten to go, ten to go. <laughs> yeah, three to go. Blowing a twelve point lead with three minutes would be insane. But <laughs> the way this team has performed this year, with all the ups and downs, um, I wouldn't rule anything out. Um, yeah. What was more uh, most interesting about this game, um, I don't, I think, I, I almost, I would say I almost feel bad. I mean, I do, actually, I would say that I do feel bad. Because at the end of the game, Mike Adams Woods, um, I wanted to talk about this after we mentioned all these other points, but at the end of the game, Mike Adams Woods ended up hitting what would have been the dagger to seal the game. Um, had a layup going up the left side, drove through, and then very clearly you could see the ECU defender shuffle his feet. I I argued and I looked at the video multiple times. I think both of his feet were honestly off the ground when Micah made contact with him and the refs ruled a charge and that gave ECU the ball, which then ended up spiraling into a bunch of other stuff, which then forced us to take a late game push um, in that final drive with DDJ. I really wish that Micah could have got that bucket and hit that because I think we could still call it the mall game, um, but I think it just got just a little overshadowed by the fact that David DeJulius ended up hitting uh, the game-winning putback at the end of the game, which, like I said, sucks because Micah put the team on his back this game, and he would have had 23 points, ended up with 21 um, on the night, which was really impressive. Um, Like we've said many times before this season, we've been waiting for him to kind of like pop off, and he's had a few... Hot spots, and he's performed pretty consistently. I think he. I think we can say um, now, uh, not chasing anything, but I think he's been a pretty consistent, uh, at least ten point contributor, at least um, pretty much since the turn of the year. So um, that's been. It's been nice to see him sort of step into that role. Hopefully, he'll he'll continue that, and um, he'll definitely grow into that next year as well um, as a senior. But um, but yeah, he took over in the first half, and it definitely. Um, was an interesting team performance uh, because DDJ and Dav had 14 and 15 points respectively. Um, Here's the interesting part. We only had seven points off the bench. And even more interesting, we only had 10 points from anyone not named David DeJulius, Jeremiah Davenport, or Micah Adams Woods, which is like, I just that alone amazes me that we won that game with just that one sentence that I just said. I don't I don't know how we won that game when only three guys scored uh more than five points. Like that that's just I mean, like I said, those three put the game on their backs, but um I I just don't see how between that and then a poor shooting night from the three, uh, we were only 22%, and we only had nine assists on the night when we've been averaging at least, I'd have to look at the exact stat, but I think it's been like probably close to 16 or 17 a game um, to only have nine assists and then just shoot that poorly again. Like, man, I, I don't know what it is. Like, it's I don't know if it's the road environments or 
what, but to come off of the Temple game and then immediately go to this, um, I don't know. I, 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 I think ECU is better than their record shows, but I've said that about a lot of teams this year too, and maybe it's just because there's been so many close games that it makes me feel that way. Because um, the AAC, like we've said, has been so back and forth and teams that should win haven't and teams that shouldn't win have. So, you know, every team looks a little better and every team looks a little worse um, at the same time. So everybody's just this kind of middle ground where you can't identify their actual, um, I guess, potential or ceiling. But I feel like we should have taken care of ECU when we had that 12 point lead. And there's no reason that that should have slipped. I mean, we, and we still scored like, you know, a bucket or two here, or there going down the line, but it just wasn't enough. And we should have been able to take that 12 point lead and, you know, maybe not even double that, but at least hold that throughout. Um, yeah. So well, I don't know. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to blame that Justin on like, well, definitely like those three guys, we needed them. We need to get more from Victor Lockin, who I know is coming off an injury. John Newman, who I also know is coming off an injury. But yeah. those guys can't be zeros. They got to give you something in the points yeah. column. And like they did their thing, they did rebounds and stuff. But we were just talking about, you know, John, how uh, he had scored 10 points in four of his previous five games before yeah. the pod. And then. Like you know, I don't want to criticize him, and I think I'm sure he knows this that like they they need him to have more, uh, they need him to score more. But uh, you know, it's just it's just going to be one of those things where you win, you survive in advance, you keep moving on. But eventually, to be more consistent in this league and with this team down the stretch, we need more guys contributing more than zero points. Like we need, yeah. like you said, only three guys with more than five points. That's not it's not great. Like. If Micah, I was, we were talking about this in the group chat on Sunday. If Micah can be a guy that gives you 10 to 12 points a game, that's awesome for the stretch run because mm-hmm. he's kind of been inconsistent as well. But I, I, the, my problem recently, Justin, has been uh, obviously the way we started the year was a lot of transition play and a lot of like getting in space and trying to get teams down the floor. And But now I don't. It doesn't feel like we're exactly doing that. It feels like we're just kind of being set into our offense and starting to go. And I know that obviously teams have adjusted to that, but a guy like Mike Saunders, who I feel like has not been as effective near the rim as he should be in the past mm. three, four weeks, like, and it's it's also just like you know Odio Guama. I feel like hasn't been obviously he took himself out of the game early with two fouls in a minute, but right <laughs> that hurts you. Victor Lockin not being what he was kind of hurts, and maybe this is just the midseason lull where we yeah. just kind of rely on our stars to get us through. And if everybody rounds into form by March, it doesn't matter. But I'm this this is a couple of the things that I've been noticing recently where like you know it, it's taking some time and like when our, all of our guys aren't contributing, it's hard for us to win. Yeah, well, definitely. And, and you know, the, the other thing too, from this game that I've noticed is if you look at our bench minutes, um, Hayden had 18, um, Mason had 12, uh, Mikey had 19. Um, and then Odie, Vic and, uh, Hensley all had eight or six minutes. So like it was a pretty hefty, uh, contribution from like our starting lineup but regardless like 
I, I think too with like Mason, like we we've seen the flashes and we've seen the flashes, but it just feels like we're not getting that consistency. I mean, and I don't know, like like I said, we're we we don't single we don't want to single anybody out, but also like you can't go uh oh for five from three. Like you, you gotta start getting rhythm somewhere else, either dishing it out or whatnot. I mean, and he's you know, twelve minutes out of a game, which really isn't a lot, but I was just surprised how much he was shooting. Um, you know, for the for only having twelve minutes on the floor. Like he had out of all the other guys shooting on the night, he took five shots and um that makes only four guys who shot more than he did. So you know what I mean? It's just like it feels like an odd balance. And, you know, if your shooting rhythm is there for that night, then it's there. Um, but it's just like trying to figure out what is the consistency that we can get um, from start to finish from our starters to our bench. Um, and again, like you, like you said with Mikey too, like he did well from the line. Um, you know, it's sometimes you just don't get a good shooting night, but I just, I just don't know why we're struggling so much with teams that we shouldn't be struggling with. You know what I mean? And it's like ECU on the season now is 11 and nine. Like we said, I just said a few minutes ago, everybody's a better or worse than their schedule or their record shows, but I don't know. I think we should be able to take care of ECU on the road. Um, and a road trip is never going to be easy, but, um, these one point wins are these, and, and honestly, a, uh, at the end of the game, like we said, Micah should have had that dagger that should have completely eliminated any final push from ECU, but we should not be having to make a game winning bucket with, you know, 10 seconds to go or whatever, be in that situation when we have such large leads earlier in the game. Um, because it's, it's very tiring to keep throwing those away. So, Definitely. Um, well, and I, I can agree with that for sure. Uh, I'll just cut you off real quick though. And saying once again, <laughs> everybody, this is the part of the program where I uh, remind everybody that this is year one <laughs> of West Miller yep. and, yep. uh, it, you know, it's just, that's just going to be part of this team evolving and growing and learning from this like Justin I, other than you know Davenport and DeJulius and you know you know definitely we have some talent on the rest of the roster but Davenport and DeJulius are our two best players and without them we're just an average AAC team you know like yeah, they've definitely true. won us some games and they that makes the margin that makes the record look better makes the margin look better helps West look a lot better in his first year but yeah I mean, you know, without those two guys, we're kind of just an average team. So, like, it's just a thing where I want us to do two things. Because the defense, by the way, Justin, 59 points, that's another yeah. another great defensive performance, you know? Can't complain at all. Yeah. And we need just two things, though. Just get fouled and go to the line more often. And, like, and that'll just open up more things for us. Like, Mikey going up to the rim, and but doing a fadeaway at the rim instead of just going into his man and trying to get a foul. Obviously, right. they might try to call a charge, but if it's in the restricted circle, it's a off, it's a defensive foul. So yeah, I wouldn't be too worried about that. You know, like just we got to try and get fouls when we're driving right. to the to the hole, and maybe Micah Mikey is just not used to that because he's more of like used to just speeding by everybody, but right. like, you got to at least give yourself an opportunity to score and like maybe to get an and one and stuff like learn from Jaron Cumberland, you know, <laughs> how many well, times did he, he just bully himself to the rim. And I know Mikey's not yeah. that guy, but 
I would just like to see more free throws and just more. I, I know this isn't how basketball is played now, but maybe like a couple more offensive rebounds a game instead of just heading back on defense. Yeah. And I think that would just be, I think that would be ideal. You know, don't Sorry, expect the, no, 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 you're good. Don't expect the opponent to grab the rebound. That's, that's the biggest thing. And I, I definitely agree with you on that because we've had some guys that are more aggressive. Like I've noticed that I think Vic and uh, Newman are the two most aggressive players. Um, like, defense or sorry offensively when it comes to rebounding because those two guys have been studs when it comes to that but um no i i agree and i think that's been a big thing and especially the thing that i noticed in this game and the temple game um you know we're just racking up fouls we had 21 uh personal fouls in this game and so you know when you're letting ecu get to the line 27 times that's going to put you out too like there's Arguably, there is no reason that ECU, because of the way we played defense in this game, uh, there's no reason that they should have scored more than uh, like 55, 54 points, even even maybe even to, into 50, because they weren't having a stellar shooting night either. They went 28% from the field, 30% from the three, but they went 85% from the line, and they had 27 attempts at the line. So like those things, like I've said, have added up. And you know, to your point, if we limit the amount of times that they can do that, um, which, you know, ref calls go here and there, but if we can kind of just play, uh, I mean, and maybe that, maybe that's just a factor of our defense too. That could definitely just be the issue there as well. But, um, if we can try to get to the line more, I think we can obviously stave off some of these late game pushes from, um, teams like ECU and teams like temple, um, and not be in those late game situations. But I would like to add one thing before we transition here to Memphis, um, last week I did say that, uh, David Julius is the guy to go and get you a bucket. And he did that. So, um, I would just like to say that I said that that's all <laughs> anyways, yep. um, on to Memphis. Um, we wanted to preview this real quick because this is going to be a huge game, not just for, um, implications of the standings, but also just because of the environment that it's going to create. Um, it's the first game back in fifth third and I guess, uh, two weeks a week and a half two weeks um so weather pending it, sorry weather pending <laughs> yes weather pending because it is um we are currently recording on wednesday morning um and it is snowing i'm granted i'm in michigan but it is coming down i don't know what it's going to be like there but all the weather predictions are showing that it is going to be a rough uh, winter storm so we'll see what happens there but um Regardless, I think it's gonna it's gonna happen either way. It's just gonna be watching it on TV. Um, wouldn't that be very interesting? That uh, if any game gets canceled this year, it's gonna be due to snow and not to COVID. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess we've already had those uh, postponed. But um, five and four Memphis, five and three Cincinnati, um, eleven and eight Memphis too. Which again, that I don't understand how they have that record. But right now, we are a fifty five percent favorite or favorite in this game. So um, maybe that's just to the home court advantage. And maybe that's just because Memphis has been Memphis, but um, I think we have a really good shot at winning this game. And I think that, you know, between the energy that we're going to get with throwbacks, the, what I would imagine to be probably a sellout as long as the weather doesn't keep too many people out. Um, I think that that game is going to be a huge one when we look back at it on the uh, end of the season. Um, and hopefully that'll give us some energy moving forward because um, like you said, I think we're in a bit of a midseason lull. I don't think that we've really 
Um, I think some of that early season push that we had um, started to get staved off, especially towards the beginning of um, conference play. And then, you know, kind of got rolling a bit. And then it's just, it's so back and forth. Um, and, and we've just tried to struggle to find, I guess, a certain element of consistency. So a, a big win against a team like this, regardless of whether or not they're five and four, everybody knows that Memphis is a much better team than five and four says. Um, and they proved it when we played against them in Memphis. Um, but I really think that we should be, we should be pushing for a big win in this game. Not, not even necessarily by points, but just control like that's that's the biggest thing we need to make sure there's even contributions from everybody from starters to bench we need to be efficient with our shots we need to get to the line and we need to just play better than we have and i i think that that will be is if we can do if we can just play better than we have over the past few games i think that's the solution i mean it's really vague but um i don't think it's been a true bearcats team um that we've seen we've seen the resiliency but we need to we need to be able to play at a higher level to control those leads that we get and fight back from them too. fight back from i think we're i i think those things if we can do that we should be golden here so having this game at home i think is a definite advantage uh there's turmoil around the memphis program as imani bates claims that He's only going home to Memphis, uh, to Michigan for a doctor's appointment, uh, so he won't be at the game Thursday. But there's reports out there that are talking about his future maybe being in question. There's a lot of Michigan State fans that were responding to that tweet with happy uh, gifts about about that, which uh, yeah. I guess I didn't really follow that saga. I guess Imani Bates kind of played them pretty hard. Um, yeah. Not exactly sure, but... And he obviously decommitted and went to Memphis, so I can understand why people would be upset. But um, either way, it's still going to be a big conference game for us. Memphis does not seem to play exceptionally well on the road. Um, yeah, they, they do have the advantage of usually getting about ten to fifteen thousand people into the FedEx Forum on a given night when they're at home, and mm-hmm. maybe that's a good home field home court advantage. They beat Alabama earlier this year. They obviously beat C earlier this year. They uh, took care of ECU. Uh, they lost to SMU a couple weeks ago at home, but and that was when the famous Penny rant happened. Um, yeah. <laughs> as a home game for UC, I feel like we should be able to get this one, and uh, like we should yeah. be able to play well enough where we give our team a chance to just you know come out in front of our fans. Ho- I'm really hoping this winter storm like either holds off or they postpone the game to another day because really like. I want this whole reveal to be great for the like for the fan base for like uh, all the people that work so hard on the uniform reveal. Like it needs justice. I think it needs the whole thing. And obviously, senior day they're going to be wearing it again, and maybe they'll just ship back to that and just wear them for senior. Like just keep it as a thing for senior day. But I'm really hoping this is a a big a big push for uh, this team because. Honestly, we need a game before Sunday because Houston's another huge one yeah. coming up. And, <laughs> and like we need a good game against Memphis to get ready because Houston, we obviously know they're coming in and they're uh, they want blood and they want to kill us just like they did in the conference championship game last year. So yep. I don't know, Justin. I'm I, I feel optimistic about it, but like I'm just I don't know. It's just one of those things where we've been playing okay, not good, not bad the last few weeks, and I'm just hoping that 
uh, we can see a classic Bearcat performance tomorrow night. I agree. Actually, one thing I want to mention really quick, not to steer away from Memphis by any means, but you mentioned Houston, and uh, I just wanted to throw out there that the matchup predictor has Houston at an 86% advantage in fifth third. Uh, <laughs> so um, Houston's really good. They're they're 6-0, and and they... Um, right now sit at 18 and two on the season. So they've been studs throughout the year and they've been taking care of conference games. But um, again, yeah, I, I agree. I think that just as long as, as long as this game um, can hopefully get in enough of the fans to really do um, all this work that they've put in justice. Um, I think that it should honestly turn out to be one of our better performances on the year. I, I think that that will give us enough energy and give us some push. And, and honestly, I I don't think that we can I don't think that we can beat Houston if we can't beat Memphis. Like I mean that and that's that sounds like obvious but I think more so my point is that like we have to be able to beat Memphis and get that energy to go in and play Houston because we can't be upset hungry against a team like Houston and not perform to the level that we need to in our own house with all of these extra um you know sort of pieces and parts to the puzzle um, against Memphis. If, if, you know, if we don't do that, Houston is just going to be uh, a tough game to watch. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, definitely. that's how I'm feeling. And, you know, and then after that, it's a two game away stand to at UC or USF and Tulsa, which USF take care of easy Tulsa. Uh, we'll see. Tulsa has been, been interesting all season, but at least we don't have to play Tulane again. Uh, Cause <laughs> Tulane is looking quite interesting this year looking feisty boy yeah or green one wave thing, justin yeah. feisty <laughs> one thing i wanted to mention too before we uh transition away from basketball um is you mentioned this earlier this was uh at ecu west miller's 200th win um which i think is an interesting conversation to talk about because there's been some question marks as to um you know what we and obviously this is 200 wins and this is only 15 with the Bearcats, um, but I think it's an interesting conversation considering his age. He just turned 39 and to already be at 200. I think that we have a uh, a bit of a diamond in the rough with with Wes. I think we know what the product that we have is. Um, it'll just be interesting to see how this turns around because being able to jump off of that and sort of see where his career is going to go from here. I would really hope that he sticks around for uh, at Cincy for a long time. But, you know, I think the better that he performs, the more he's going to get wrapped into other conversations too, um, especially considering his age, because we're going to transition eventually to the conversation about the foot, uh, the Super Bowl. But there's two other coaches too, between Sean McVay and um, Zach Taylor, that also are not 40 yet, that are coaching at the highest level. Um, so I would really like to see Wes continue, um, at the program. And I don't think that that's, um, a hot take by any means. Um, but I think we do need to really kind of stick behind him because as much as I've been, uh, arguing some of our odd losses, I think it's a full team thing. And I'm not going to say that it's coaching and I'm not going to say that it's players, but I think it's kind of chalks it up to what you said. Tell us again, Steve. Year one, baby. Year Year one. one. (laughs) And it's only going up from here. 
price of the brick going up, boy. You better <laughs> buy into that stock right now because I promise it's going up. We're never going to have another bad season like this again. And this isn't even a bad season for us. We're 15. It isn't. Yeah. <laughs> what, 15 and 6, correct? We're nitpicking, yeah. It's 15 and yeah, 6. Yeah, 15 and 6. Okay, yeah. Like in rating is 68, like on the next four out, like kind of outside looking in and just – Maybe some teams will fall out. Maybe the Bearcats get a couple quality wins coming up here. And that's his year one. Like, obviously putting this roster together with strings and ribbons and all that, all those adjectives we use, like, it's pretty cool to think about the potential of this program. Yeah. And it's much better than it looked last year. <laughs> yeah. Talk about uh, that mean, five loss straight streak to uh, Tennessee, USF, Georgia, UCF, and Tulsa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Justin, I don't know if you saw uh, Coach Chris Mack celebrating the uh, Bengals win on Sunday. He was filming himself doing it. Um, I didn't see his best buddy John Brandon uh, in the background there. Did you? I I, I, uh, I couldn't find him anywhere. Couldn't couldn't find him. Uh, it's crazy to think that like we're gonna go through an entire era of UC basketball now and just like uh, never think about like the the two years that that man was coaching here. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> that man is going to be scrubbed off. I mean, I feel like he's already been scrubbed off the face of the earth. I'm really surprised, you know, I, maybe not that he doesn't have another coaching job, but at least even as assistant somewhere, like he is just, I guess he's just chilling. I don't know. Well, I mean, I just, his Twitter is still active and he tweets stuff every now and then. He put something out about how he went to the UD game with his daughters a couple weeks ago, which I don't know. I thought that was interesting, but um, you know, I, like I guess you know, do what you want, man. Good for you, <laughs> but it's just weird to me to think about like that 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 two years of our lives are just yeah, you know, they're just not going to exist. Like we're we're just going to move on from those. <laughs> well, and they were. Uh... One of those was knee deep in the middle of COVID too, so maybe it'd be. Yes, yeah, didn't happen. Remember, just shove it to the back. Shove it to it the back. Didn't happen. It was a reset oh, year for everybody. Happen. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, this is a good time to transition because um, we do have uh, some interesting extra topics that we wanted to chime in on here. So this weekend is going to be um, the Senior Bowl for all of the NFL draft hope tees, uh, hope hope. Uh, I don't know. Hopefuls. Yeah. Hope tees. Hope tees. Put it in Merriam Webster. It's a word now. Hope tees. Hope tees. But we have a couple Bearcats showing up there, and that's going to be huge because I think that's just another way um, for recruits to see. There's some big dogs in Cincinnati, and there, this is this is no uh, this is no little man's program. This is this is the big deal. So we've got Alec Pierce, Desmond Ritter, Jerome Ford. Majai Sanders, Kobe Bryant, Darian Beavers, all of them going straight to Mobile. And honestly, I think that that could be uh, really good for kicking up their draft stock too, um, especially if they get enough time to perform out on the field. Um, it's just being able to play against other levels of competition. Um, I don't know who's going to end up getting the start. Do you, do you have any idea of who's going to get to start at QB? Question, Justin, because uh, I believe that uh, Malik Willis is there. Correct me if I'm wrong. And uh, he seems to be a pretty big prospect 
in uh in the NFL circles. Um let me look at the quarterbacks real quick. But I I do believe that Des has a good chance to start. I mean yeah. like why wouldn't he? You know, he's been he's a, a a big prospect. He's making great throws. I don't think anything's been picked off. I saw that uh people were uh, not happy with Carson Strong's performance so so far. So that's a good start for Des. Um I think Kenny Pickett's also in that uh, circle as well. Yeah, be uh, looks like I know Sam Howell is the first guy on here. Okay. Yeah. So uh, Sam Howell is on here. Pitt, uh, QB Kenny Pickett, uh, Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, Carson Strong, Bailey Zappi. So I- I'd say Des is in the top three there, no? Yeah, easy. And I, would, I would definitely think so. About Malik Willis, like I think Pickett's like going to be okay, but he's nothing special. I think Des could probably beat him out. Yeah, I'd be interested to see who starts because I, I think that really just gives a good good choice of like who might be a, a real, uh, who might be a real candidate, you know, uh, for like yeah, a, a starting true. job. So, um, I'm I'm interested to see where where how much Des plays and who he slots with. Like they were playing him a lot with Jerome and uh, with Alec at practice yesterday. So mm-hmm. I'm interested to see who they play him with today, but. Uh, I I could see him being at least a if not the the starter the the first backup off the bench. Like I think he's been a solid NFL tier prospect for about two years now, and yep. maybe not all the throws were there in college, but I think now like he's shown that he you know can, has the at least the talent, and if not the you know, the quarterback. Uh, He's got the decisiveness to be able to be a top quarterback in this league, and yeah, I, I would rather see him get in a system where he gets some time to learn it and then get it. But I think he's really smart. He can use his legs to make first downs happen, and I don't really see him being much worse of a passer. His passing accuracy has improved every year, and he was able to make those longer throws as right. as the years went on, and. That was some of our bigger touchdowns this year. Was those deep balls to Pierce and right. Tyler Scott? So, I what do you think, Justin? I feel like he has at least a, an, if not the chance to start. I feel like he's got an outside chance to start. Yeah, I would say th- I would agree too. Um, I think between you know all of the guys that are going to end up being in that lineup, I think for Des, it just makes sense for him to be no no worse than second in line. Um, and, you know, and the big thing, too, for this is, like, you know, ultimately this game, like, it matters and it doesn't. Um, but at the same time, like, it's a big chance for these guys to really prove that they can play against some competition that they haven't had the uh, chance to. But also to be able to play against the best of the best, too. Um, and if you can just show a couple spurts of, you know, your talent here or there, those kind of things can really affect your draft stock and really push you up. And I don't think that anybody's draft stock gets hurt in the pro bowl or in the senior bowl. Um, but I think there's only upside for guys who play in it. Um, and I, I was really curious too, that um, sauce was not in this. I, I've figured that he probably just decided to opt out of it, um, which I would think would be the case. And it makes sense just trying to stay healthy and make sure he's on top of everything going into the draft. Um, but that also brings up another point that I wanted to talk about, uh, which is specifically the NFL draft hopes. Um, We've got a couple 
Bearcats in the mix. Um, and I think first rounders is definitely, uh, there's some potential there. If you look across a couple of different draft boards, um, the first one that I'll bring up is um, there's one from Pro Football Network, which currently has um, Sauce at 15. And I think everybody can kind of come to the agreement that Sauce would be the first Bearcat to go in the draft. Um, that would have him going to the Eagles uh, with the Miami pick. Um, and interestingly enough, has Derek Stingley Jr. above him, which honestly, I still just don't understand the hype between uh, or for Derek Stingley. Like, I get it. Like, he is a huge prospect coming out of high school. Um, but, like, when you compare the numbers, and sure, like, competition is going to be a different level between the SEC and the American. I get it. But, um, I, I would feel like people could see the potential from Sauce and would go for him first, but who knows? I mean, it's well, and then Derek Stingley didn't really play that much this year, right? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like playing has to count, uh, count into your draft status. Like, obviously, Derek Stingley was on a bad team, but Sauce was on a good team and man never gave up a, a touchdown in his years in college football. Like, yeah. I, I just don't one. see where. <laughs> people are getting the Stingley love from and PFF yeah. like you pointed out earlier this year, Justin, like they kept saying how sauce was one of the best corners. And then they rated him like the fifth corner in the draft. Like, yeah, CB five. <laughs> yeah. Like, dude, I don't understand PFF. Like their, their grades. Are, I saw something about how the, the same week that Joe Burrow had his like week 17 performance for the ages where he had yeah. all those, uh, it was like 400 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Um, mm-hmm. I think Justin Herbert had – I forget who the other quarterback was, but the other quarterback like had a bunch of completion, incompletions, two touchdowns, one interception, and PFF gave that guy a higher grade than Joe Burrow. And like, Yeah. <laughs> I want to support the hometown company, but you got to like football. Like Your stuff has to make sense for me to understand it. Yeah. Well, and speaking of PFF – um, in their lineup, they have uh, Stingley going at f- uh, the fourth pick, uh, at least in their uh, sorry in their prospect board. So not necessarily who they would go to, but in their prospect board, they have Stingley at fourth, and then have Sauce at eighth. Um, which again, I just <laughs> I don't I don't I don't understand it. They they can't choose who they want to take. Um, but I think um, the agreement upon all draft boards is pretty much that Aiden Hutchinson will probably be the first pick. Um, if not Thibodeau, um, one of those two will be going in the first pick. Um, maybe even Kyle Hamilton too, from Notre Dame. I think that he's would be a huge one for a lot of people to grab. Obviously um, we showed that, you know, not the best performance from Kyle Hamilton, <laughs> but yeah. uh, he can't, he can't control uh, the entire Notre Dame team as an individual, um, even though the Bearcats, you know, whooped some ass but regardless um yeah i think between those and then i'm trying to find the other one here yeah uh cbs's board has sauce going to the ravens at uh the 14th pick which again like everything i feel like i've seen has just had sauce going to either um like the steelers or the ravens or somebody at like just AFC North team that I just don't want to hear about it. I don't want to. I don't want to have to watch any of our guys, especially if it was somebody like Des, like who could step into a starting role in Pittsburgh, uh, if they were to draft him. Which I think the consensus is they're going to go for Kenny Pickett, uh, but just you know grab the hometown at least collegiate guy. Um, but I don't. 
I just don't want to watch these yeah. guys in the AFC North. But it also gave us a lot of chances to watch them year right. in and year out. So there is well, upside to that too. Uh, so you were talking just talking about Sauce too going to fourteen. I, I watch a uh, Good Morning Football uh, when I'm home during the week, and like they their mock draft that they run on the bottom, like Sauce is all the way up at number five to the Panthers, which is crazy to think that like a UC yeah. guy could go top five, even though it is Sauce. Just like I, I used to be so high on UC players before they just got drafted way lower than I expected. So yeah. now that has shifted my expectations down where I don't expect UC players to go higher than they do. But a UC guy in the top five would be just incredible. Yeah. Well, and it, I think it's just, you know, it, it would be great for the program to be able to have that as a mainstay. Like, hey, you know, we produce lottery pick level talents in the NFL. Like that, that's a, that's a really good way for, um, recruits to just get an extra bit of energy going into the program um or maybe even just you know help them make their decision you know and, and looking at it too like the same board for uh, that cbs board that has sauce at 14 uh, as what i had just said was uh desmond ritter would be going at pick 20 um instead of uh kenny pickett i don't see him anywhere else oh kenny pickett would be going at six with to uh uh carolina but would have Des going to the Steelers, which just ugh. Like I don't, I don't want to see that. I would hate to see Des in a Steelers uniform. But at the same time, if he would get a chance to start um, on an NFL team coming right out of the draft, I'm all for it. I don't care what team it is, even if it is the Steelers. Oh, Justin, Justin, breaking news, breaking news. Uh, due to incoming winter weather, Thursday's game against Memphis has been postponed. Oh, wow! What? Live on the pod. Live on the pod, breaking news. Oh, that's so upsetting. Damn. Well, I think you might have jinxed it. Uh, but hey, I did, and we broke all that all that down for nothing. Yeah. Damn. Would that also? I guess that would also mean that. Um, I would assume then that that means that the game is. Um, or they, the, sorry, they were they were coming. To, sorry, I didn't too. read the second part of the tweet. You uh, see, is uh, the Memphis is coming to Cincinnati on Tuesday, February fifteenth. February 15th. Okay. Let me look at her schedule because that definitely changes things up, which also is going to suck because that means now that we have to go straight to Houston, which with no, with no home, anything like, uh, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I would have playing Memphis would have been the perfect tough matchup warm up to go into Houston. And now we're just going to go, Oh, we're going to go and play in them cold. I don't like that at all. Do you think they'll just move the throwbacks to um, move the throwbacks to the Houston game then? Or do you think that they're just going to save? Well, it? so I was just I was going to say that that like the Houston game is already scheduled to be our home black jersey game. So we're just going to push the throwbacks back to the Memphis game again. Gotcha. Wow. That definitely changes things because now if you look at our schedule and that's going to be a, that's going to be a, mm, a loaded stretch with not a lot of rest because we're going to go Houston on the sixth USF on the ninth Tulsa on the 12th Memphis on the 15th and then Wichita on the 17th. And that's going to be Memphis coming after a two game away uh, stretch. And then that'll give us a three game homestand against uh, Memphis, Wichita and temple. Man, oh, I don't like that. I really don't like that. 
That sucks. <laughs> Just, and oh, frustrating. I got it now. Now I'm interested too to look at Memphis's how that's going to affect their schedule because they have uh, UCF at home, Tulane at home, away at Houston, and then playing us um, on the road too, and away at SMU. Man, they're if <laughs> ooh. Ah, I don't like that. I don't like that. No, I don't like it either. It's no good. Well, um, that's, I guess, a good time to mention the last thing I wanted to mention before we just do some quick Super Bowl talk. Um, just a quick recap of the American this week. Um, I guess we'll go back from, let's see, uh, what would be the most up-to-date day? Uh, Tuesday the 25th would have been our last pod. Um, so obviously we lost a temple um, on last Tuesday. Um, and then no, we, we recorded uh, last Wednesday. We, we covered the temple game. Oh, no, no, no. You're right. You're right. You're right. Okay. Um, well, then with that said, um, Tulsa and Tulane played. That was a notable game from this week that I wanted to mention um, because Tulane beat... Tulsa at home, ninety-seven to sixty-three. Goodness gracious! Which is just absurd. Like, there's you know, there's plenty of games that you're going to see throughout the week, whatever in the American. But that is nuts because Tulane, um, obviously, which got the better of us, um, and we definitely got the better of Tulsa. Um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Tulane, I think Tulane is a lot better than the record shows. Um, and Ron Hunter uh, put something in the water. I don't know what he did, but that team has been uh, kind of off the walls as of late. Um, well, the Green Wave is uh, jiving. And I just talked to you uh, before we record, started recording about um, about what we were, you know, about Houston is playing Tulane tonight. And uh, I follow a site on the uniform tracker account called gocoogs.com. Same idea as Bearcat journaling, you know, and they were calling out uh, Ron Hunter and ta- talking about how they had beat Ron Hunter uh, by like 22 points in his last, in their last two game in their last four games or whatever. And I was like thinking to myself, I don't think you would want to poke the Ron Hunter bear because he is yeah. <laughs> just on a, an absolutely like uh, he's on an absolute heater right now. Yeah, <laughs> he's been tearing through some teams. And well, and even if he's not tearing through them, he's finding a way to win um, because I feel like we're I feel like this season, maybe just because of the way they've played, uh, even though they beat us, I feel like maybe we're not so closet closet fans of Tulane. It's just interesting to watch. Yeah, um, I think more than anything, the Tulane saga this season, because also another key game that I wanted to mention, uh, they also ended up beating Wichita. Um, which again was at home, but I believe that caused Ron Hunter to break in a dance in front of their uh, very interestingly, from my perspective, small but full student section, Um, which I don't know if Ron Hunter has the best dancing skills, but regardless was entertainment. It was just, uh, it's very funny to see how crazy like the, it's gone with him, you know, and it's just <laughs> so insane to think about like what uh, he's brought that program. Cause that program was nothing, you know? Yeah. Absolutely yeah, they, nothing they, before. And now it's, it's something. And it's like kind of surprising to see that, that Tulane program that we make fun of for playing in a high school gym 
and where we've lost to yeah. before, you know, we haven't just yeah. like been completely dominant over them. It's just crazy to think that that is an actual real living program now. So good yeah. for Ron Hunter. Uh, when they're not playing the Bearcats, they are our green wave. Justin, you and I, yeah. <laughs> I hope you're okay with that. I've already deemed yes. them as our green wave. So yes. <laughs> um, what else is going on in this conference though? Because other than yeah. Memphis turmoil and like, you know, Tulane being strangely resurgent, all I'm all else I'm seeing from, from this is that SMU is shockingly seven and one. Uh, and it's just more surprising to me that we beat their ass when we were here. Uh, Temple yeah. four and three, Tulane six and three, like you said, uh, and Tulsa one and eight. Uh, you know, not shocking, but uh, what else are you seeing from the conference right now? UCF and USF. The Florida teams are key here um, because USF is still crap uh, <laughs> all over the board. Um, they got beat uh, at home by SMU by 20 points. Um, UCF just seemingly can't find a way to win uh, pretty much anywhere. They did end up, uh, or sorry, they did end up beating Tulane a few weeks ago. Um, before Tulane started their monster stretch. Um, but in the game since, let's see, uh, yeah, Saturday here, um, UCF lost again at home to Houston, 63-49. Uh, to 49. And then USF got beat by, um, quick maths, uh, 31 points to oh. Tulsa, whom we beat by a good 30 points, and everybody else is beat by a good 30 points. So USF, I don't know what is going on in that program, but it's not good, whatever it is. Uh, They they are a bit of a mess. Um, And also last night, uh, Tulsa lost to uh, Wichita State. But then then again, that was a home game for Wichita State, which currently um, puts them still at eighth in the American, another 11 and eight team. which, if you look at the current standings, I wanted to read these off. It goes Houston, SMU, Tulane, Cincinnati, Temple, Memphis, UCF, Wichita State, East Carolina, South Florida, and Tulsa. But USF and Tulsa are just amazingly bad. Um, and I, I I, I just don't understand. I, everybody in the conference has a win now. Uh, Tulsa and USF both have a win, but... UCF, I think, is the biggest thing for me that I just UCF and Wichita State, like which both of those teams um, are really surprisingly doing so poorly. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see if they actually can put anything together uh, before the end of the season uh, because of their wins in conference for Wichita State as uh, at or versus UCF at home and versus Tulsa at home. Um, so they are very much uh, winless on the road. And then if you also pan over to UCF, which we have uh, coming up here on the 23rd, um, they are only their only wins come against Memphis, interestingly enough, and then at ECU and Tulane. Um, which again, like it's just it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it just proves that it doesn't make sense because UCF looks. Terrible. 
Every the bottom five of the American look absolutely awful, and I'm glad to say that we don't have to play them except for UCF because they're coming with us. Um, which UCF is in if they're playing like this right now, they're in for it when they get to the Big Twelve. I I am horrified for that program uh, when they make it to the Big Twelve. At least football, I think they'll. I don't know what they're going to do when it comes to football, but basketball, they're going to get their asses kicked. It is going to be nightmarish hellish for UCF when they get there because they that program is just not in a good place. They're 12 and 7, but they're they're a lot of their wins came against some pretty uh, you know, mad teams except for Miami at the beginning of the year, which then again, you never know with them. And I I don't know. I, I'm just going to be interested to see how this team pans out, especially when yeah, it might be Kansas State and UCF at the bottom of the basketball uh, Big Twelve. And Kansas State isn't even that bad, and this is actually we'll bring up. You mentioned this, I think it was either you or somebody else. I'm going to let you mention it if you did. Um, oh yeah, about Bob Huggins. Yeah, uh, the West Virginia is still projected as an 11 seed in the tournament, and they're tied for last in the Big Twelve right now. So, yeah. <laughs> like th- this. Basketball conference is going to be like old Big East days. Like when, yeah. remember when the old Big East got eleven teams in? Like we might get eleven teams in, like just in a regular year in the basketball Big Twelve. It's just going to be yeah. insane. Like, yeah, uh, our guys over at Roll Blob Pod love talking about how the Big East, you know, and like they it seems like they have a community aspect in the Big East, just because a lot of like-minded schools. Well, like, dude, we're going to have all of uh, eleven of twelve teams in the in the tournament almost every year that's insane to me yeah that's just I mean, nuts it, to me if that can be a consistent thing i mean i think it just goes to show to the strength of the um big 12 i would really hope that their perception the perception doesn't change at all i don't think that it will but i really hope that the perception of the big 12 doesn't change with the uh leaving of oklahoma and texas and the introduction of uc ucf houston and byu um yep Basketball-wise, I don't think it should shift at all. Um, but football-wise, I think, obviously, is might take a little bit of a hit. Um, but I think it is kind of a lateral move, too, because clearly Texas and maybe not Oklahoma, but Texas is nothing to cheer for. I mean, <laughs> other than Matthew McConaughey, which I would love to see Matthew McConaughey on a sideline playing when the Bearcats are playing in Texas, but we might not get that uh, if, if the 2023 move goes according to plan. Uh, yeah, for those schools. Yep, and uh, just from a Mike Oresco's standpoint, it looks like it that is the, that is the plan. Uh, there, there's been productive conversations apparently. So as long as uh, we get that moving soon, I think that will still be the plan. So yeah, uh, Justin, real quick, I just wanted to go back to the rescheduled game. Justin Williams just tweeted this out. Uh, I have his notifications on, so. Bearcats fans, turn on Justin Williams' notifications. I think he's one of the best that we have, uh, and we're lucky to have him on this beat. The yeah. postponement and reschedule of the Memphis game sets up four games in nine days for the Bearcats from February 12th to February 20th. At mm-hmm. Tulsa, February 12th. Home to Memphis, uh, February 15th. Home to Wichita State, February 17th. Home for Temple, uh, February 20th. So that's, like you said, four games in nine days, and uh if the Bengals do this damn thing, Justin, that city, the city will be drunk for the, those three home games in a row. And like one of those yeah. days might be a parade day too. So yeah. uh, that's just going to be a crazy week. And it's also kind of hurts too with, there's a lot of, we're going to have a lot of backload of games. Cause if you remember 
the Bearcats had their uh, game with at Houston rescheduled for the last week of the season. So that's we just got a lot of games going on right now. So uh, hopefully uh, we can uh, get that figured out, you know, and uh, hopefully that doesn't kill the team. But I would yeah. say, though, having those three games at home would be is nice. Yeah, definitely. Well, and it's it's going to be nice too to have that stretch. Hopefully, to build on some wins. Um, you never know. Maybe we just pull out a miracle in fifth third against Houston, and then just go on a tear. Um, or maybe we exhaust all of our efforts and all of our energy to beat Houston. Uh, but that is very wishful thinking. Um, with <laughs> the past few games that we've seen, I don't think that we are going to be pulling an upset on Houston um, and taking down the number six team in the country that is eighteen and two. Uh, I just don't see that happening on this game. Hey, but the, I would the love to be environment of Fifth Third Arena. You never know. You never know. You really don't. Fifth Third is an interesting place to play. That is for sure. Um, but back to the point that you had mentioned. Um, I don't know a better way to say it, but the Bengals, they're doing the damn thing. They're going to the Super Bowl, baby. Going to the Super happening. Bowl. We, <laughs> we talked about this with our friend Josh uh, a few weeks ago about just the Bengals playing the Raiders um, and just hoping to get that first win in the wild card game. And damn, look at us now. Yeah. Look at us now. We're going to the Super Bowl. Like, I, I've I've said this so many times before, not on here per se, but just in so many conversations with friends and family. And all I've ever wanted in my 23 years of life is just to see the Bengals or the Reds or some pro team in Cincinnati break the curse and just do it. Just get that one game over with, rip the Band-Aid off, get through it. And now the Bengals said, we're going to rip the Band-Aid off, and while we're at it, we're going to give you a nice glass of whiskey. We're <laughs> like... It's, it's going to be a party, man. It's sweet to be in this position. To, I don't know how to handle this as a fan to be going to the Super Bowl. Like, it, it's still like I'm, I, I feel like I'm still hitting this point of realization. But it's crazy, too, because it's not like we're, it's not like we snuck our way into the Super Bowl. Like, we beat some pretty good teams. Like, Tennessee, you know, people would say is probably weaker than what, um, you know, than what their uh, record and their uh, seed showed in the playoffs. But Tennessee was a tough team. Vegas was even a tough team. But to beat Kansas City in Arrowhead, beat the number one team in the country, I don't think anyone could question that Kansas City was the best team in the country because if anybody argued that, it was Buffalo fans and anybody saying that Buffalo was the best team in the country. Well, they went and they beat Buffalo. And then to go into Arrowhead, beat them in their own house, in overtime on the bad side of a coin flip and take that and ride it straight to the Super Bowl, man, it is a high for Cincinnati fans right now. It's just crazy, and especially after watching last week where the Chiefs got the ball back in overtime and marched right down the field and won the game. Uh, was Patrick Mahomes just kind of like throwing stuff up and hoping things would happen? Because that's kind of where it, what it looked like, you know? It, like It looked like you put a different quarter, like a regular run of the mill quarterback in that game after the first half. Like seriously, it, I, that did not look like Patrick Mahomes, except, you know, the only thing that Patrick Mahomes did good in the second half was run circles around the defensive ends. That's all that he did because he was still able to get away from guys. But you know, even so he got sacked a couple times, but he was still able to get away. But 
other than some of those shifty moves, he was not making the plays that you'd expect from Patrick Mahomes. And I don't know. That was a different. That was not Patrick Mahomes in the second half. At least not the Patrick Mahomes that we've known. <laughs> yeah, it's just absolutely like crazy to look at him. Just I don't know. It's just to see him be uh, just mortal and uh, not yeah. otherworldly was just so weird. And I think the other thing too is that we saw what he like was doing in the first half and we're like, Oh, it's going to be a long way back for the Bengals to find a way in this game. And somehow they did, you know, they, they found their way. And I think the other thing too, to, uh, to mention is that, you know, obviously the defense played great, but the, you know, Joe Burrow, man, like he never flinched once. Like, I don't think Joe he's ever flinched in his life. Like, yeah, <laughs> he, he's just been like stone cold the entire time. And it's just absolutely insane to me how, cool he is under pressure uh, everything he says is just so damn cool and yeah like it's just crazy that uh i like how cool he is like and he also just makes like everything about like uh about how like this team is how what the swagger is yeah everything about it and he makes it you know yeah, and well, I think something that's interesting too, like not to steer away from Joe Burrow, but like if you look at our record on the season and you look at what our expectations were like going in, like we knew that it'd be a big year because Burrow's going to be, you know, playing, he'd be healthy, we'd get a good start and, you know, whatever. But we start off the year with a win against the Vikings uh, at home on a game-winning kick <laughs> and then come down to it and you got Bears, Steelers, Jags. We're looking good. Packers line and it's just back and forth like but nobody really expected this team people thought maybe there's an outside shot of the playoffs but then we took care of business when we needed to take care of business and just got the wild card spot and from that point all we needed was the in and it has been electric since then and like you said Joe Burrow is just doing things that are unheard like I mean he's broken every probably every single uh, single season passing and uh, QB record that's on there. And it's crazy to think that like in one full season, like I'm people are going to say, people might argue this different, but I think with Joe Burrow's injury, I'm really counting this as year one. I'm not going to say that this is his rookie year, but I'm counting this as the year one Joe Burrow in this season has single-handedly put himself at the top with Ken Anderson Boomer, like any any team in Bengals history has now been matched and could be exceeded in two weekends. Like that's crazy after one season to to see how phenomenally different that is. And again, people always say like, you know, the, the NFL has evolved, things have changed here and there. Um, but you have to think how many great QBs there are in the NFL and how many great players there are in the NFL. And for Joe Burrow to be standing atop all of them, like I think that's I think it's crazy. And I think it's awesome that we are the recipient of somebody's extreme, extremely high level of talent. Because it just it, it has always felt like we've been shorthanded or we've been the cards have always been against us or we've always had one thing or two things or three things that go wrong at the wrong time and been on the bad side of it and the narrative's changed. I mean this the the crazy part is our ceiling now 
is the Super Bowl. And if you told us that last year, that in 2022, we'd be going to the Super Bowl, I would have laughed in your face. I, I would have, I, th- no way. I would have put so much money on that not happening. Yeah. No matter, no matter with Joe Burrow and all the talent that we have. It's just, it's, it wasn't the team and it wasn't the people. It was just a franchise cursed by bad luck and stupid choices. And look it, at us now. It, it's just so silly to think about, too, like how many years it took for all that stupid stuff to, to manifest and then immediately it goes away, you know? Yeah. Immediately it's gone. And, uh, some can say it's Joe Burrow. Some can say it's the uniform. Some can say it's like, uh, I don't know. You can say it's all different things, but obviously Joe Burrow is it. But how about Evan McPherson? You know, like just absolutely insane. Evan McPherson, Shooter McPherson, Money Mac, uh, Mr. Clutch. I don't know. There, you can put any nickname on this guy. Like he's been able to do it all. Every single time the Bengals have asked him to go out there, with the one exception of that Packers game, which just it was not a kicking day for anybody, as we saw with Mason Crosby. This man, if you take that game out, he's like a hundred percent on the season in game-winning situations, and and from distance too. Like he's had, yeah. some, he's had to put up some big leg kicks. And he's done it. And it's been, it's not been like off the crossbar or off the post or, you know, to the left or to the right. It's been dead center every time. Like he's got some balls of steel, man. Like yeah. you need a, you need a wheelbarrow for this brother. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm amazed by his skill and his talent. Call him Evan Nutsack because he's just dropping it on everybody. <laughs> Evan Big Nuts McPherson. <laughs> Evan, Randy t-shirt. Marsh, nuts in a wheelbarrow, McPherson. Yeah. People, actually, people, uh, and so speaking of those nicknames, too, he did uh, file for a uh, trademark on uh, Money Mac this past <laughs> week, uh, which I find interesting, and so many people were saying, no, you've cursed yourself, which is not a curse. Like, got to let the man get his money, like, especially for a kicker. Like, there's so many positions where, like, you know, Joe Burrow is going to get his, you know, he's going to get his money. He's going to get his deals. Um, I think the, I, I, I'm going to transition away from this for a point from the Bengals and just highlight the Chiefs here because I thought it was hilarious after watching the Bengals game, watching the Rams and the 49ers play the whole time. And then every single commercial was fucking Patrick Mahomes. I was laughing my ass off because it felt like, um, it's just who, who there's somebody that I'm thinking of. That I, I couldn't can't for the life of me uh, think of who it is at the moment, but it's just one of, you know, a player that's like going to be identified by the, Oh, uh, Chris Paul, <laughs> Chris Paul is just like, everybody knows he's a very talented player. He's at, you know, the top of the league, but it's just the commercials, man. Like he's in every commercial and it's just the state farm commercials. Patrick Mahomes is the same way. And it's just funny because, at this point, you know, Bengals took him out. And yeah. it's nice to be on the other side of that for once. It's nice to be on the other side of that. It's just, I don't know. It's just been like so many years of how like we've just been crapped on. Like people who are fans of this team have been like crapped on for being fans, you know? Yeah. And just, it's just so much jubilation and excitement and, uh, for context, I was actually uh, 
out of town this weekend. I was in Scottsdale because uh, moving out there, and we were watching the game. Couldn't get tickets. Uh, we couldn't get inside a bar, so we just literally watched the end of the game on a sidewalk in Scottsdale. Like, <laughs> and uh, obviously, like we were wa- we got there with about like three minutes left in the game. We watched like the end of that Chiefs drive. I don't know what the Chiefs were thinking. Like, I guess it was more of like that we can't give the ball back to Joe. So yeah. we're just going to try and hold on to it. But even they couldn't do that. Like Joe Burrow is really just messing people up right now. It's just crazy yeah. to think about, you know, and everybody's playing scared. Yeah. Against him. Yeah. And Justin, I don't know about you, but like, I've just been like listening to everything I can and just drinking it all in. And I'm also thinking to myself, like, man, the Bengals got a lot of crap for being a really poorly run organization. And maybe they still have some flaws in that department, but Think about like the core we have right now. Think about the fact that we still have first round draft picks. Think about the fact that like all of these guys, like they're so young. Like we're not in like cap hell. We have money to spend. Like lots of money just, to spend. It's crazy to think about like this. Uh, obviously, the Bengals have reached. Would you say what would you say is like the pinnacle of American sport? The Super Bowl, probably. Yeah, I would. I mean, for sure. I don't think that's a question. Like. There's no there's no game that compares to uh, the amount of fans and interest that it draws, and on top of that, the um, what it takes to win a football game, and then to just do that multiple times to be able to get to the Super Bowl. Like, I'd say so. Yeah, uh, and let me just read off this one one more thing is from NFL memes. It's a comparison post about like the the Bengals and the. Um, in the Rams. So they tweeted out today, like, uh, uh, Oh, uh, okay. All right. Yeah. It was yesterday. Your Super Bowl matchup, uh, Rams checklist, offense, defense, special teams, offensive line, defensive line, receiving court, secondary coaching experience, star power, home field Bengals. And it's just a picture of Joe Burrow yeah. <laughs> walking in with his glasses and the chain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like, man, I, God, that picture of him was so sexy, by the way. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, like, I, 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 I think I said this to you maybe in the group chat, but I think Joe Burrow could have pretty much any man in Cincinnati's wife uh, for oh, a yeah, easy with it. And I, I think we'd be like, "Thank you, sir." <laughs> yes, thank, thank you for your uh, services. <laughs> I mean, he's he's at a point where he has already reached legendary status in two years with not just Cincinnati, but with the NFL fan base too. Like Pat, I think the difference between him too and like Pat Mahomes is like people see Pat Mahomes as like he's a legitimate talent. He's great. He can do everything. He's exciting. He's the fun QB. Joe Burrow is the cool QB. And like, you know, Justin Herbert, uh Josh Allen, like Josh Allen, I think is like okay, if we're if we're gonna put it this way, Josh Allen is the talent, like pure talent QB. I think that he's going to be a stud in at the NFL for a long time. I think he's going to keep that role for a long time, of course. Uh Justin Herbert, he's he's talented, he's there. I don't know what his identification would be, but like I said, Pat Mahomes is fun, but Joe Burrow is just cool. There is no QB, there is no player in the NFL that is cooler than Joe Burrow. You can I you can debate me all you want. I don't care who you are. Joe Burrow is the coolest player in the NFL. Show me somebody different. You can't. You just I can't. can't. I can't. No, I can't. No. I would like to uh, 
we we should probably wrap this up, but wrap this up. But I'd like to leave off uh, one last thing. Um, I threw up a tweet the other night um, after the Bengals won the game. They're going to the Super Bowl. Um, it was last year's AFC North rankings, uh, which had the Steelers at first, twelve and four, Ravens and Browns tied for second at eleven and five, and the Bengals at a measly fourth place with four wins, eleven losses, and a tie. And look at us now. Look at look us look now. At us now. Who would have thought? Who Who's laughing? Thought? Because we. I mean. And the, the best part, too, is all the Browns fans who have been s- talking so much shit. They're like, well, I guess we should be in the Super Bowl because we beat the Super Bowl team twice this year. And all that. Congratulations. Hang a banner. You beat the team that went to the Super Bowl twice. Well, guess what? You didn't even make the playoffs. So shut your mouth. Go home. Cleveland sucks. And it, honestly, if you're from Cleveland or you're a Cleveland fan, you know, it's whatever, but don't try to compare the Cleveland Browns and the Bengals right now because the, the organizations are in two phenomenally different places. They're just not, they're not on the same level anymore. I don't care if they beat the Bengals twice this year. They're not on the same level. It's just two different teams. Sorry. And Baker Mayfield is not that guy. You're not that guy, pal. <laughs> uh, freezing cold takes has been getting a lot of run off of the, uh, the there's like an Instagram from the pick six pod talking oh, yeah. about uh so like good. rolling up to last place in the afc north like and uh yeah that, that team's in the super bowl now so why don't you go eat one you know <laughs> well and that's the greatest thing too is like another one of those pictures like that picture looking back on that that was that pure swagger that's all you get from this team pure swagger pure excitement just elation to be in this moment in history with the Bengals, and they're just doing it all. They're doing it all. We'll see what happens with the uh, with the Super Bowl and see how things go. Which obviously we have another pod coming up before that. Um, which maybe we'll get some more information, more hype, um, other things coming along. But it's just awesome to be a Bengals fan. It it's really been a is. hell of a time to be. A it's Bengals awesome fan. to finally have some payoff because I know there's other people. I am. I am not proud, but I am uh, I am able to put my pride aside enough to admit um, that I did uh, I did kind of give up on the Bengals. I didn't I didn't count them out. They were still my team. The thing is, I would never watch another team that's not the Bengals. I I like the NFL. I don't love the NFL. I'm not going to go watch a, a a game like actually watch it. I'll have it on in the background, but I'm not going to actually watch a game unless it's the Bengals. Definitely. And yeah. I got sick of watching our team get beat into the earth every single week. It was excruciatingly embarrassing and not fun to watch, but I've still been a Bengals fan all the way through it. Yeah. I've just, it's, I've, I, I needed something to believe in. I need the, I needed the, I, I believed in the fans. I believed in the players. I needed the franchise to believe back in the fans and put some money back into them. And thankfully they've done it. Um, I have to say, I don't know. I felt, I still felt a little, I didn't like seeing Mike Brown get to be up on the stage at the AFC championship trophy presentation and just be up there and talk. Cause he looked clueless and he didn't look like he <laughs> knew what was going on, but I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, you got to give credit where it's due. The the whole franchise end to end has really picked up their shit and has done it right. And that's why we're in the position that we're in now, but also, well, I agree with you, Justin. Joe Burrow. Yeah. Joe Burrow, man. Um, 
I I agree with you though. I think it would it was just like it was hard for a while, and like I I'll admit I stepped away. Like I probably like Josh said he watched every game for the past 10, 15 years. I definitely did not watch <laughs> the last like five years, and like I watched the first few games of Joe Burrow's career, but um, mm-hmm. after the Browns game, and then after the the like the game against the WFT, uh, well, yeah. those two games were just so upsetting, and I was just like, man, like I put away all my stuff, you know. Now like, the Commanders. Sorry, yeah. I had to throw that in there. <laughs> News from yeah. today, but anyways. I, I, I put away all my stuff, you know, I yeah. put away, I, I put everything away and I was like, okay, I'm just, I'm just going to let it, let it go for this year. And, uh, I'm just going to wait till next year, you know, like, yeah, I'm, I'm upset about it now. It sucks, but I'm just going to wait, you know? And like, I'm, I'm glad I didn't completely give it up. Like, uh, you know, cause definitely it's an, it is definitely a drug. <laughs> it's definitely a narcotic, <laughs> uh, to be following in, uh, a NFL team, especially one that's been bad for so many years, but is now finally good. Like, you know, just absolutely insane to think about how how much this te- this team has come, how far we've come. Yeah, this team has come a lot. No. <laughs> and with Everywhere. that, I think that's a great all time to wrap all over the place. I think that's a great time to wrap it up. Um, hopefully you guys have enjoyed our long talks on all the different topics revolving, um, this week. Um, it's, it's interesting because I think things have changed a lot without having, uh, Bearcats football to talk about so much. Um, but at least we have the Bengals, uh, to keep going and we have the Bearcats, uh, and hopefully basketball just keeps things going in the right direction. And hopefully we can talk to you guys next week. Uh, after a nice, hearty Houston win in any way, shape, or form. I don't care how it comes. It just needs to happen. Just a win. I don't care if it's like what we just saw against ECU. It could be the ugliest match we have ever seen. Find a way to win. That's what all that we need to do is find a way to win. Same for the Super Bowl. Find a way to win. So, this Thank you guys for listening. Um, have a great week. We'll be back on the airways after that Houston game. Unfortunately, not after the Memphis one. And see if we got that dub. Go Bearcats. Go Bengals. Go Bearcats. Who day, baby? Who freaking day?